most run organizers, it is leaving at 9.30, not 9.35, 9.40, 9.50. So if you are late, um, if you're going to be somebody who can't show up on time, then put your clock to be there at 8 o'clock <laughs> so that you're there on time. But that driver's meeting is super important because that leader needs to tell you if there's anything that's difficult about the trail, um, rules of the run. Most of them are going to say no alcohol. This Jeep Talk Show flagship episode is brought to you by you, the listener. You didn't see that coming, did you? Uh, without you, we'd have no reason to do the show. Do you have a product to sell? Well, you know, you can advertise your business on the Jeep Talk Show. Our rates aren't affordable. They're just downright cheap. I would even say damn cheap. Reach out to us and get <laughs> pricing and availability by going to jeeptalkshow.com slash contact right now uh, and find out how to reach out to us. Your advertising could be on the show as early as next week, maybe sooner. Hi, I'm Tony, and welcome to the Jeep Talk Show, the premier show for Jeep enthusiasts and hardcore off-roaders. Whether you're new to the Jeep world or a seasoned Jeeper, we got you covered with the latest news, tips, and advice to help you get the most out of your Jeep. On tonight's episode, dun dun dun, Jeep, an end of a legend. There's a question mark oh. there. There's a question Uh-oh. mark there. Yeah. Oh. This is this is how we get you. You know, we, uh. we throw something out there to scare the hell out of you. <laughs> Make you listen. And then it's not anything like what you expected. I mean, exactly. the words we are in there. We use the, the words, but you know, anyway, you I don't want to destroy, destroy the whole thing. the whole thing. In Newbie Nuggets, Wendy shares some tips on uh, your first trail run. You know a lot of people. Like I say, if you know everybody that has had a first trail run. Uh, and Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, time to build that axle. We've been teasing it. Larry's been talking about axles. Now it's time to build it. And in our must-have stuff for your Jeep, glue tread, repair tire sidewall damage this is a virtual unknown don't do it you can't believe it type thing well now you can are you ready it's time for the jeep talk show with host tony josh wendy and chuck well howdy it's wendy and i'm sharing what to expect on your very first trail run hi it's larry and i'm tired of winter Hey, do you like YouTube? Well, of course you do. Don't be ridiculous. You guys remember that from Balky thing? Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> the Jeep Talk Show has been on uh, YouTube for years. However, recently we've been hitting it hard, like one man's son and the cocaine. You see, oh, man. Too soon. <laughs> see what Too I did soon. there? <laughs> yeah. I see that. Uh, see what you're missing? Uh, our videos, not on cocaine. Okay, uh, good. Tuesdays Ooh. at 7.30 p.m. Central Time, we have a YouTube live of our roundtable episode. Just go to YouTube and search for Jeep Talk Show. Subscribe and watch. And I, and I, I just want to mention this really quick. We've tried the, the lives on various on the various uh, episodes. We have two flagship episodes. We have an interview episode. And uh, we have a roundtable episode. And, uh, and the Brain Trust and the Jeep Talk Show team, we all got together and thought about it and said, well, this is silly. Uh, let's just do one live a week. And we'll make that live the the roundtable that one makes the most sense so we're not on youtube live tonight guys i, I didn't tell you about that so uh, you know when do you put makeup on for nothing uh and, and you too larry <laughs> i was hoping you noticed well we are recording video so you'll just not see it live you'll see it later so it's it's still a good thing all right uh but uh, but yeah so go over there and uh, if you if you ha- uh, like the idea of the roundtable episode and you maybe you've, you've listened to episodes you think it's a lot of fun now you can see all the people that are talking uh during the live or afterwards when it's recorded I mean, you know maybe you don't feel comfortable getting in there and mixing it up mixing it up i think that eventually you're going to say oh gee this is that just looks like too much fun i need to be a part of that there's i'm yeah. saying things to myself while this thing's going on and nobody's hearing it I, you know, I'm, I'm wasting all this effort and, and all these things that are make people laugh <laughs> you I know for this i was just you know the the, the the zoom people meet on thursday night uh the same time we record the show and uh steve o who who should know better uh, he's he's driving, so he was concerned about the, how he sounded on the Zoom room, and he asked the guys, uh, "Hey, how do I sound?" And John Lee immediately, who just got there, immediately said, "Sounds like shit." What a friend's. Yeah, so I mean, you ask that question, and especially Steve O should know better. Uh, <laughs> did, did ask that question. <laughs> All right, so uh, here is the the fun. 
Okay. <laughs> the fun for us to discuss, and uh, you know, and we have a lot of fun talking about EVs. Really like fun. <laughs> and uh, of course, uh, this, this is a good time to mention this. I think you know, we work the hosts here. We work from show notes. Uh, I know it's hard to tell. It's it's something like it's planned and written out. <laughs> but uh, we have show notes, and we're all looking at these show notes. And you can see these same show notes uh, by going to YouTube, uh, not YouTube, uh, JeepTalkShow.com and looking for the, the show notes for the episode. And we've had people in the past go, where are these mythical show notes that you're talking about? JeepTalkShow.com. And you just go and look for episode 969 and you will see uh, the pictures that we're talking about you'll see the the words that we're saying or maybe some words that we didn't say that are all part of the uh, the show notes so i I think it's worth going and finding and and, and having a look all right so getting back to the point uh jeep wagoneer s do you guys remember us talking about this i don't remember if it was a a primary flagship episode or a secondary one we've talked about several different um yeah, several different Wagoneers, and I think you talked about the S. Yeah, yeah. So, you guys remember the recon, right? It was going to be an all-EV uh, Jeep. Right. Okay, so the we, Jeep... We talked about it. Yeah, so the Jeep Wagoneer S is also an all-EV. It's a five-passenger vehicle. It's kind of snazzy looking. It, it looks... To me, it looks a lot like a Grand Wagoneer. Uh, not a Grand Wagoneer. It looks a lot like a, uh, a Grand Cherokee. Okay. Uh, you, you can disagree. So, <laughs> the, so this is the interesting thing is the 2025 uh, Jeep Wagoneer S goes on sale this fall. It is an EV with 600 electric horsepower. Wow. I mean, WTF? What is electric horsepower? <laughs> That sounds like some sort of sales bullshit. Yeah, it's like metal horses. What the heck? How can, I bet it's peppy. How can we? How can we twist this to, to generate some interest? So uh, <laughs> I hate salespeople. Uh, it will go from zero to sixty in three point five seconds with its six hundred horsepower. Okay, wow. it's just horsepower and it's electric engine. So that's the right. electric horsepower. Yeah, which is again, like yeah. you said. Oh wow. That's a big vehicle to be, you know, zero to 60 in three and a half oh, seconds. Oh, I know. That's the cool thing about That's, EVs. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine growing up, if you had a vehicle back, you know, in the 70s and 80s that would do zero to 60 in three and a half seconds, what that would take? Man, you, you, you'd yeah, be racing you, for pinks all the time. I was just going to exactly. say, and winning, and winning. And winning. Yeah, I have a career if I can go back and make a time machine and go back in time. Um, So uh, (laughs) this is the thing that gets me is it has some of these fancy LED lightings in the formerly iconic Jeep grill. See what I did there with formerly iconic? Uh, (laughs) Do you remember? uh, And I know you guys do. You have to. You remember having a bad battery or maybe it wasn't charged, left the lights on or whatever, and you you try to start your vehicle. It it has some power, but it's going really slow. And you immediately turn off the AC or the heater. Everything, right. Yeah, or just the fan. You turn off the radio. You know, (laughs) you try. Everything takes power. You try everything to (laughs) possibly get that thing started. And you go, okay, okay, come on, baby. You can do it. All right, so this is kind of the same thing with those LED lights on the grill to me. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's just like it is when you have a dead battery, uh, that same fear you have when you have a dead battery. <laughs> but now, remove the internal combustion engine that you're trying to start. <laughs> it's Man. just going to be dead. <laughs> go downhill from here. So the thing is with the with the EV part of it, you won't know that until uh-uh. you hit the pedal. That's right. Well, and I mean, look what happened with the storms that we've had and the freezing in all kinds of different states, and all those vehicles are done. They can't charge all the the uh, charging oh, we're stations. We're going to talk about that at the bottom of uh, the notes here, at the bottom of this uh, this uh, this story. Uh, oh, that was some very it, interesting, should've... very interesting thing. Oh, I, I don't read ahead. I, I don't read ahead. I don't. I didn't it. read ahead. You remember when Josh getting all uh, pissed off yes. about me? Yes. Decided <laughs> to think about ahead. it and talk about it. He goes. <laughs> Yes, Tony. Thank you for shitting on my point. <laughs> exactly. I was going to do it. So, damn it. <laughs> so it's not a problem. Uh, anyway, so uh, the uh, in the story that I was reading, it did not give a an idea of what the range was. I mean, it's an EV a vehicle. Of course, you're going to wonder about range. Everybody has range anxiety Absolutely. about EVs. So yeah. I dug around and I found it, and it is expected to be around, quite possibly. Uh, if you have a tailwind, uh, I threw that last part in myself, uh, <laughs> around 400 miles. But That's a lot. 
And, right, but it, okay, but how does that translate if you live in the city and you you know you have a two hour commute to do you know fifty miles? But it's bumper to bumper. That's so a that's, good. That's a good question. It's not four hundred miles. It's probably going to be two days. Well, it's not actually <laughs> on, is it? Whenever you're sitting in traffic. Well, what if? Well, like our traffic you usually creep. You know, so you yes, it has to be on. It's not like dead stopped and you wait an hour and then you get to move. But but you I know, mean, it's can, off until you press the pedal, right? I don't know. Yeah, you're not really drawing until you actually hit the pedal. Mm-hmm. I mean, oh. and, and hit the pedal, not not seeing if you could hit that three and a half seconds every time. <laughs> oh, yeah. But come you know you're, you know you're going to do that for like the first 24 charges. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, come get me. I'm stuck somewhere. So, so <laughs> this is this is the cool thing. Uh, it's 400 miles, and it has a dual motor. What? Yeah. So it is a all-wheel drive dual motor uh 4xe all-terrain system so it has two motors one for the front one for the back and they're still claiming 400 miles that's well you knew you knew it was only a matter of time for that number to start creeping up i don't think it's time though larry this is the thing that really surprises me i think that one of the reasons why this they they're not doing this in the wrangler is because they need a bigger vehicle just to place all the batteries because oh, I, th- yeah. I think that this one just has a bunch of batteries. And we know what that means, right? Bunch of charging? A l- longer charging, <laughs> I would think. And yeah. uh, a lot a lot more cost involved in replacing batteries. Oh, shoot. You're talking, yeah, $38,000, $40,000 probably for all the batteries in that. I've seen them, at, not, for, not for this vehicle, of course, but I've seen them as high as $60,000. You got to figure this is... What would you put this uh, number at on this vehicle? It has to be north of 100. Oh, easily. I would think so, yeah. Um, but I tell you what, I was very impressed with the uh, estimated 400-mile range. That's Absolutely. pretty good. That's pretty good. All right, so uh, the, this uh, five-seat will be uh, the by uh, smaller uh, – I'm sorry. Uh, the, the It's a five-seater and will be um, – I'm not trying to say here. This five seat will be by the smaller electric body only. All right. I I didn't write it right. Here we go. I'm going to take a pause and then say it again. So the Jeep Wagoneer is a five-seater, and it's going to be joined by later this year by the Recon. It's a smaller, also battery-only electric vehicle. Oh, and as Wendy alluded to earlier, uh, in Chicago this uh, this past uh, was it not this past weekend was the first part of the week when we had all that yeah. cold weather. Not you guys, right? But, but we had it down here. I think it got down to eighteen point one in the uh, Jeep Talk Show Studio A backyard. That's crazy for Texas. <laughs> it What's is. It really there? is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the Chicago uh, Tesla owners uh, abandoned their cars. I think you guys probably have seen this on the news. In oh, yeah. the negative 18 degree Celsius weather, that's about negative one in real temperature measurement. Uh, the very cold temperatures drain EV batteries, leaving vehicles immobile. So, so it's not good. <laughs> so go ahead. So I'm going to say, you guys knew I was going to. So you can't drive them when it's super hot and we have fires or wind or temperatures are so high that they're doing power, you know, brownouts and conserving energy. And now you can't drive them when it's, you know, below one degree. I think brownouts is a good name because people go, oh, shit. So no, seriously. I mean, that's what I'm saying. So So if you live in a climate that doesn't have any, you know, power outages or any, you know, minus degrees then maybe this is going to work for you, an EV. But the you rest mean, of us... You mean like California, world, where it's always 74 degrees? No, it's not always 74. <laughs> and the problem with our state is they, they shut the power off. The wind's blowing too much. Oh, there's going to be a fire. Or it's too hot. Oh, it's going to be fire. Got to turn it all off. Man. Anyway, go on. Sorry. Well, what's that story about the three bears? Is, it, is that it? The three bears? <laughs> what was the girl's name? I can't remember Goldilocks? the girl's name. Goldilocks. Goldilocks. Yeah. So, it's nothing, nothing is ever just right. I know. This, I'm just pointing out the obvious facts here, people. No, it's good. That's what we're here for. So, uh, the, the cool thing is they sent out two trucks. They were called out so that they could move the dead Teslas 
out of the hell of the way so that the large line that was developing for the Tesla chargers, uh, for the, the ones that uh, were still mobile, for the Tesla vehicles that were still mobile, uh, that they could uh, charge their vehicles. Now, the I think it was the night before or maybe a day or two before, uh, Chicagoans had been told to uh, warm up, keep their, keep their Teslas warm, uh, or put it on charge, uh, maybe both. Uh, so that they would be able to use their vehicles uh, in this uh, inclement weather. Now, I'm thinking that the new call-out for work will be, I'm sorry I'd be there, but my battery is dead. Oh, it's probably due to the cold weather. And, of course, it's better than that dead grandma excuse because you can use it multiple times as long as the weather's you know, not, not good. Well, <laughs> and what I find funny about this is this is only about Chicago. There was multiple states oh, hit by this cold yeah. So it's not just one little region, people. It's the whole nation had issues. Yeah. So. Four here. Later. Wow. I I absolutely love Tesla. I'm a Tesla stockholder. They're uh, huh? They're beautiful. Oh yeah, and they're really great vehicles. Uh, but uh, I, I really have a hard time owning one. Uh, I think it'd be fun to have one, but I couldn't see it as my primary vehicle. There's just too many concerns. Uh, a secondary vehicle? Oh, I think it would be so much fun to mess around with. Uh, but then again, I like sitting up high. Uh, so I'm, I'm going to be a lifted Jeep person or at least a full-size truck person. Lifted Tesla coming to Joan, coming to Tony's uh, I, I had my first soon. rental the other day. Oh, first did you? Electric rental the other day. But it, was first a, electric yeah. vehicle it wasn't a Tesla, though, right? Drove. No, it was not. Yeah. I was wanting a Tesla, but... Look what I could get. Yeah. What did you get? What was it? How did how'd you like it? So it was a Hyundai. It was an Ionic 5. And, uh, you know, it was, it was I'll say, kind of sterile on the inside. <laughs> there's no, oh, no sounds. There's no, there's no anything. But I'll, I'll tell you, that thing had some get up and go. When you, when, you, uh, when you put it in sport mode, which, is of course, is the only mode it was turned on, it it got up and it went. It was pretty good. That's the only mode I'm ever in is in sport mode. Yeah. Charging was a little bit of an obstacle, but other than that, it was about it. Uh, was it a good, uh, did you like it? I mean, it got you where you needed to go. Mm-hmm. And uh... yeah, so I was in, uh, I was in Atlanta. So we drove it all around and I uh, wanted to experience charging for the first time and I find out one of my cards, I guess, it didn't like. So, luckily, I had more than one credit card to pay for charging. And finally got it charged. It took, uh, it charged for about 24 minutes. I got, I think, the equivalent of 40, 40 miles of drive time. And it was about $9.50 for that. So, that sounds, yeah. a, that sounds a little high. Was it, was, is that high to you? Well, I guess it depends. I, I I ended up making a video out of that. So, you know, I, I broke it down. If you were driving a vehicle that got twenty miles at a gallon, which I figured that was kind of middle of the road at mm-hmm. at our at our fuel prices, that would have been almost seventy miles worth of gas. So, so about a half price, less than half price. Right now, if you're driving something that got or close to forty, well, then you know. You'd be right on target then. So, I mean, I really do think it's true that it do, it is cheaper uh, to uh, have an EV vehicle for, you know, like the, putting the go juice in it, uh, so to speak. Right. And uh, the maintenance cost on it, I haven't had one, but I can certainly understand how the maintenance cost would be much lower not having to change oil, uh, not having to do a lot of the things uh, that uh, you do uh, on uh, internal combustion engine vehicles. So I could see that the long-term overall cost of an EV vehicle would be um, potentially much less. And uh, if Tesla has their way, they're going to be making making them cheaper. And I think it has a lot to do with that Spartan, uh, the sterile thing that you were talking about. It's very Spartan on the inside. It don't right. only the stuff that needs to be there is there. And I'm sure that's going to change because you know how the auto automotive. Uh, automotive industry is uh but uh it, it's a uh, a vehicle it's a fancy golf cart uh that that goes further and faster uh, is basically yeah. what we're talking about here yeah i look at it more of as an appliance yes than i would it doesn't have the soul if you will of a of a normal you know gas engine and that's an interesting thing i like the way you said that the soul because it very much is like like our jeeps the the, the jeeps have a personality and we we modify that personality as we own it by things that we do to it and things that we put on it um and as we drive it we are putting soul into it as well mm-hmm. but 
But I, I think that also comes with your generation, right? I'll say I'm group all of us in the same generation that, you know, that's kind of what we grew up with. You know, we grew up with that, that soul of a vehicle. Your generation don't really have that, if you will, right? So that's, soulless. that's what you're they saying, know. You're saying the current generation is soulless. I think I'm, saying they don't, I'm saying they don't look at the vehicle the same way. <laughs> uh, trying to get him in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Larry uh, said. Larry said. <laughs> well, if, you, if you have complaints, send them to Larry. Keep them or, or Nikki G. So your ability to go and do things when you want to, want to without your parents taking you someplace, your first vehicle that freedom that you experienced and yeah i think you're right larry i don't think that uh, the the generation uh, the, the modern day generations uh see that as much because of being online and social media and uh not hanging out at the mall like uh, the, the kids were still doing uh, when i was in my uh mid to late 20s or even 30s so um yeah i think you're right i i think that the the vehicles mean a little less i i suspect uh i don't think it'll ever happen with me but i suspect that we will eventually see um vehicles like you you call them appliances like uh, bicycles in china where you just go get one and you take it you use it to get where you need to go and you dump it off and you then you pick another bicycle up uh whenever you need to go back home or wherever else you're going to go and you just drive it i can i can see the vehicles especially whenever with the full self-driving and the teslas and it'll go to other other evs uh shortly after uh, tesla well they've already got something like that yeah you know you you, you download the app I need a vehicle. You find a vehicle. When you're done, you drop it off, and the oh, next person picks that. it up. Yeah, oh, yeah, I didn't know about the, that. The I, bigger cities. I, I mm-hmm. can see it happening with full self-driving because you just go in sure. there and tell it whenever you want and whichever full self-driving vehicle is closest to you, and it would come up and tell you on your screen. Uh, it'll well, arrive in uh, 59 yeah, seconds. They're also testing uh, Uber Eats or – no, not Uber Eats. Uber Ooh, driving. Pre-chewed food. That's where you're going no, with No, this. no, no, no. It's mm. – <laughs> Uh, but in certain cities, you can, you know, when you request an Uber ride, um, they're coming uh, driverless. Yeah, I think know. it's, I think it's really cool. <laughs> it scares the hell out of my wife. <laughs> Johnny Cab, exactly. Somebody exactly. has That's to make a Johnny recall. Cab. It has yes. To. That'd be so cool. You know, they didn't have a Johnny Cab in the in the remake. That was another reason why it wasn't as good. <laughs> no, never good. First one's always the best. All right. Well, <laughs> that's that's the the our beat up on EV segment for today. But I'm serious. I love EVs. They are the future. I'm just concerned about well, where we are now and and how it's being pushed on us. <laughs> hey guys, Steve O from Chicago, Illinois. Illinois. Just calling episode 965, talking about Chief's participation in the. Uh, the trade shows, you know, they did pull out of the Chicago Auto Show, and I'm sure I'm hearing they're pulling out of others. You know, and a lot of it is those trade shows are stupid expensive. If you have a display there to plug in anything, whether it be a charger, a a monitor, right, you have to have the electrician come and do it. You're not allowed to do it yourself. So I get a little bit of why. I mean, they are excessive in their costs. I know that's how McCormick Place in Chicago is. But if they pull out of Easter Jeep Safari, I'm going to be pissed. Yeah, I think that would be bad. I'm going for the first time. I'm really excited to look out there and see everything that has to be there, including the aftermarkets, manufacturers, Jeep itself, seeing what their concept vehicles are like. That's part of the allure of the event for me. Now, i got to imagine going to Easter Jeep Safari does cost money getting everything out there. But they're not paying for the same trade source space like they would be in a major town, right. such as you know SEMA, Las Vegas, or the Chicago Auto Show. But anyway, that's that's my that's my two cents on it. Hope to God they don't pull out of Easter Jeep Safari. Still have a good time without them, but they to me that's just kind of part of the whole experience. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. Love the show. Keep on jeeping. Peace out. Yeah, it really is amazing, just the idea of, I mean, you know, uh, 2023 was my first time going to Easter Jeep Safari, and uh, I don't think it would have been horrible. There was so much more to do than just see the Jeep concept vehicles, but certainly was something I was looking forward to doing. 
and uh it was great uh uh you know i had uh, I, I actually got better access than most people thanks to uh tom Zelinsky, who was uh helping uh, do things there at the uh the jeep concept uh, vehicle area they're right there on the main street of uh, moab yeah steve it was first trip he's gonna get there and where's jeep yeah sorry <laughs> we pulled out <laughs> I don't know. I don't think that they could do that. I really don't. I think no, that that's got to be the so. one they have to do. They have to do. Yeah, I agree. So we'll see. And uh, yeah, uh, and uh, I'm uh, and also too, I'm wondering if uh, this uh, rem- not going to these events, uh, Jeep not going to these events, if that's going to affect the concept vehicles, because uh, you can well imagine that the concept vehicles themselves are m- more expensive than going to the events. Well, absolutely. Yeah, I would think they've got to build some of the concept vehicles for no other reason, just to just keep the interest. Yeah, but we haven't seen any advertising or anything coming out yet. Will we see it's it this early? The end of, well, this is the end of January. This is, what, two months? Oh, that's true. That's, so that's very true. Usually that's they sad. Do those, they do those teasers. You know, I follow them on Instagram, and I haven't seen anything about new. So, yeah. or the teasing, you know how they do. All right. Well, thanks for the depressing uh, idea, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> so, Way to go, Steve. <laughs> uh, 392 Jeep uh, from uh, uh, date of birth 2021, date of death 2024. Why? So, the 392 powered Wrangler finally happened in 2021 and it appears to be ending in 2024. Yes. <laughs> yes, Rip. Mm. It's 2024. Did anybody get the reference to Rip? Rip Van Winkle, he went to sleep, yeah. he woke up, and they thought everything right. was changed. Anyway, yeah. it's not as good if you have to explain it. Uh, we need Bronco to come out with a V8 now. <laughs> no, I didn't. Yeah, exactly. You know, it was Bill that pointed that out to me. I think John Lee uh, pointed it out, and then uh, Bill on the uh, on last uh, last Thursday's uh, flagship episode, uh, he said that the, even the, Bron- the Raptor Bronco doesn't have a V8. I was shocked. I, yeah, fit, I think it's EcoBoost. Yeah, I mean, come on, that's just that's not that's rookie. Uh, you need to get, bump those numbers up, bump, bump up those numbers of cylinders. So, as uh, as Bill mentioned last uh, last week's flagship episode, uh, a document has been sent to dealers allegedly about the 2024 uh, 6.4 Hemi Wrangler Rubicon 392 Final Edition. Hmm, that's going to cost a fortune. So, uh, I mean, you guys can uh, go off on this whatever direction you want to go off on, but I want to ask you, so what do you think would be more uh, more collectible? What would be the, the most sought-after collectible Jeep Wrangler uh, 392, the only V8 uh, Wrangler uh, that's been in modern history? Uh, which one do you think would be the most collectible item, uh, 2021 or 2024, the first or the last? I think it depends you know, on the collector. Because a lot of people like first editions, but then there's the people that like the last one. But I think just the plain 392 in any of those years is going to be collectible, period. Oh, I do too. But I, I guess get the feeling. It's just a short run uh, from 21 to 24. And and do you guys have any idea as to why they were only doing this for, for such a short run? I mean, it, it probably has to do with sales, but sometimes you just have to do things because. Yeah, you would think if it's a, you would think if it was a really big hit that, that there's no way they would they would end it, unless unless they're prepping for the hurricane engine. Yeah, but it's not a V8. Well, Bill and I talked I'm about this. I'm not arguing this. with you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the other thing I, too is, you know, for that 392, I mean, you're not doing anything crazy on a trail. If the Jeep is truly used to go off roading and it's crawling. Do you really need a Hemi? You I mean, don't. Seriously. Yeah. I mean, not unless well. it's a ledge rock bouncer. Uh, <laughs> but and you're going to exactly. be doing a lot of stuff to it. And, and, then, you, and, and you then you're going to build you a tube buggy if you're going to exactly. do that. Exactly. So, I mean, you can certainly pick up Hemis and do engine swaps for your existing Jeep right now. Well, I'm so. glad you mentioned that because don't worry, Jeeper. <laughs> you can still get a Hemi in your Jeep. Just contact the fine folks. Unpaid advertisement. America's <laughs> most wanted 4x4. <laughs> oh, and you know what? Screw you, Jeep, because that includes the Gladiator. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know this this means the Gladiator is not getting a 392. You know right. if they're taking it out of, uh, out of the Wrangler, the Gladiator is not getting one. <laughs> yeah, well, you know the people. I, I knew people who had Hemis in their JKs. 
and they knew when that 392 came out that it kind of took some of the value out of theirs <laughs> yes. because, Just a little because, bit. They could, they, because they could have always sold it. But now that they're not going to make it no more, they're right back in there again. Yeah. Well, and the, the and the people that, then the people that bought two 392s so they'd have one to sell when this day happened that they're looking good. <laughs> oh yeah. They're, they're like woohoo. <laughs> but but how cool would it be to have the very last 392 that ran down the line? Oh, very first and very last yeah, would be amazing. Be, yeah. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Uh, and Jay Leno may have a big Jeep collection. I don't know, uh, but from what he shows off, I don't see any Jeeps, and. I, to me, um, th- those cars and stuff are, are really neat, but they do not hold the same fascination for me that uh, Jeeps do. Jeeps are just so amazing in what they do and different from everybody else. Uh, I mean, there are, I mean, the, the late 60s uh, uh, cars, Camaro, uh, Nova, uh, Chevelle. I mean, I like those things. Charger, uh, even the, the 70, 71 uh, Dodge Charger. Those things were just cool, cool vehicles. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, Chrysler made some butt-ugly vehicles, but they were still really cool, a lot having to do with them being butt-ugly. <laughs> <laughs> Make it for horsepower. <laughs> yeah. What was that one that had the wing and the uh, the, the nose like an airplane? Uh, um I want to say Freebird, but that's a song. Uh, you know what I'm talking about, Larry? I, uh, it was a, a petty vehicle. has a huge wing on the back up high. Oh, the Superbird. Superbird. There we go. I was close. I had half of it. Uh, that is such an ugly vehicle. I don't care how fast it goes. If it can go into space, I still call it ugly. <laughs> that's sacrilegious. You See? Yeah. Yeah, I uh, know. Well, this is the way I feel about it. <laughs> you got to edit that out now. You can't put that out there. You're going to be canceled. <laughs> yeah, but the Dodge Charger is really cool. My neighbor had one uh, painted emerald green, uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun uh, with that. It was a standard transmission in, the, in that vehicle, too. So you can imagine the kind of fun we had with that thing. All right, so uh, how sad are you guys about the 392 going away? Was a 392 ever a, ever a likelihood of you owning uh, in your, your Jeep collection or a replacement Jeep? I'll just say for myself, probably the closest I'll get to that is when I eventually replace the 3.6 in mine because the freight for a brand new one is a little too close to hundred grand for me. Yeah. Yeah, it'd be easier to do a, a crate motor in there and just swap it out with all the different connectors. And there's companies out there that help you make sure everything fits. So... What's it going to be? Fifteen to twenty thousand dollars to do that for an engine swap, maybe uh, less. Well, if you, I think, I think, uh, and only because I talked to John Lee a lot, and I know he knows his numbers <laughs> like the back of his hand. He wants yeah. to hit me so bad. I think that number is close to thirty to have it oh, done. Oh, really? Oh, to yeah, have I, it I done. Okay, I'm to have it about done it. right now. Yeah. If, if you if you're doing it yourself and know how to do all that, then yeah, obviously you can shave shave off some of that, but. That's what he's telling. The last conversation we had, it was around thirty to take it to them and have them put it in. But that's still cheaper than trying to buy a brand new one or getting the last one off the line. Good lord! What were these things like? Eighty thousand, eighty to ninety thousand dollars for the three ninety two Rubicons? They were and, very expensive. Well, and if they put the words "final edition" on this year, yeah, there goes the price another twenty grand. <laughs> so I wonder how many people go. are going to be looking at going. Nah, I'm getting me a $39,000 Gladiator. <laughs> exactly. I've seen those recently. Yeah, I know. I saw it up on Discord. I saw you put that up on Discord. Uh, was it you that put that up there? Because I thought you yep. stopped looking. Well, I stopped looking, but I still get the emails. I got you. I got you. Well, that's how they get you. <laughs> Pull me back in. <laughs> I got out and they pulled me back in. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's sad to see it go. Uh, Jeep has to do what Jeep thinks is best for them, uh, but not going to Easter Jeep Safari is not what's best for them. Not an option. <laughs> what? Where's the noob? Noob! 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 Hey, noobie! Noobie! Noob Nugget. It's time for Noobie Nuggets. Well, we're going to talk about what to expect on your first trail run. The last two episodes, I talked about basic items to carry in your Jeep, and also where to search to find people to go on runs with. So just some basic tips of what you can expect. Again, when I talked about last week's episode about Facebook groups, where you don't necessarily have to belong to a club and actually join and go to meetings and all that, although clubs do serve and are a very good resource, um, there are a lot of face group, uh, Facebook groups popping up 
Um, and they'll do things where they'll have a name like, you know, uh, OHV runs or Jeep group of whatever area you're in. There'll be a list of events. Then that's how you're going to find some of those things that are going to uh, show up. Anyway, so here's some things you want to think about before you go that you're going to know. So first off, once someone says, hey, I'm going to do this run, they will list a time and date and location of that meeting. Um, that lets you know, hey, I want to check that area out. I, I would love to do that. Um, but I didn't know that there was a run going, so therefore I'm going to check it out. Anyway, it'll be listed on that. I'm just going to say to you, this is things that you need to know before you go. Please be on time. Actually, arrive early. When you're new, you usually have questions. Um, experienced people will welcome you and be able to help you out, but you don't want to cut into their time. So don't arrive late and then expect to have questions and have someone try to help you if you're new. So please arrive on time. All right. If it's a organized run or a club run, so if you're going to some event like an EGS event or just a, an event local to your area or an actual club that you're involved, you more than likely will have to sign a waiver. Basically just releases the club and or that organization if something happens, because as we all know, you can and it could happen that, you know, there could be some damage to your vehicle or whatever else. So anyway, um, depending on your ability and your Jeep setup, the coordinator, usually the person running it, may place your Jeep in line around or behind an experienced jeeper this is a good thing by the way so don't be offended if they say hey can you move your vehicle up here um that's important to share that this is your first time or that you're brand new or that you've had some experience or whatever your level is because that way they can either utilize you if you have experience or they can put you in a position that if you need help there's somebody in front of you to be able to get you in there so the other thing that's going to happen is once you arrive early you're going to air down and that is even on a fire road, folks. You hear me talk about airing down all the time. There are some basic reasons for that. I have them in the show notes as far as why we air down. Um, super important. It's going to make your passengers love off-roading. That'll be the first thing I'm going to tell you about that. So uh, make sure that you do that and understand what you need to air down to. If you're brand new and not sure what to do, um, we've got YouTube videos on how to air down and why we do it. There are books on it. There's also other people that have experienced Sometimes you just have to sort of go with it, but you can reach out to me too. I'm happy to help you out with what kind of tire you have and what you're trying to do. There's always going to be a driver's meeting, um, usually about five minutes or so before the run is to start. So what will happen is it'll say, we're going to meet at nine o'clock. We're leaving at 930. Most run organizers, it is leaving at 930, not 935, 940, 950. So if you are late um, if you're going to be somebody who can't show up on time, then put your clock to be there at eight o'clock <laughs> so that you're there on time. But that driver's meeting is super important because that leader needs to tell you if there's anything that's difficult about the trail, um, rules of the run. Most of them are going to say no alcohol, um, making sure there's stops for bathroom breaks, for lunch breaks, things like that. Um, if you need a spotter, they'll point out who can help with that kind of thing. But it's really important to be part of that driver's meeting. So again, when they say driver's meeting, don't be dawdling around. Get yourself over to wherever they're doing it because it's important for that run to get started on time. Most of us who organize runs, whether they are through a club or just are having fun with friends, we want to be able to spend more time on the trail as opposed to, you know, sitting around yakking at that driver's meeting. So we want to make sure that we get that going. They're also going to talk about radio frequency. Um, so hopefully you have GMRS radios and you can go ahead and tune in. Sometimes the leader may have extras that they can loan out for that run if you don't have one yet. So you don't necessarily need to have a radio, but I do encourage it. That was one of the things I listed on the list of things to have. Uh, oh, Wendy, I would add that uh, if you if you have a CB, uh, mm -hmm. that's great, but don't expect to be able to talk to anybody, especially the yeah. trail leaders. Not anymore. So just buy you a GMRS radio. Yeah. Um, actually, I'm going to put one in the show notes uh, here okay. uh, that uh, that I think is a good one because it's 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 a good radio and it's really cheap. I mean, like under thirty dollars. It's yeah. a handheld, and even if uh, even if it doesn't give you enough uh, range to talk on it, it'll it'll be good enough for you to hear. And that's the most important part uh, in, in my mind. Also, too, you mentioned that um, uh, alcohol is uh, they'll, they'll mention if alcohol is okay or not uh, i forget exactly how you worded it but in my mind there was a question there from the standpoint of is it ever okay to be drinking on the trails and i would i would say no, no. I, I, I don't want to give anybody hope <laughs> well you know you, you guys have heard over the years i've talked about trail cleanup 
And I can't tell you the number of people that drink glass bottles oh, of beer yeah. and then they chuck them and they break and, and they shatter and we're picking up shreds of glass everywhere. So right. on our runs, specifically, whether it is with a club or an affiliation or it is something that we're doing for fun, there is no alcohol. And if you're going to drink, then we're done. Like you can leave the group or I'm leaving the group as leader. Like I'm not going to be involved in that because one alcohol impairs i don't care how good you are as a somebody's going to get hurt and there's going to yeah. be some liability either directly or indirectly yeah i'm just not doing it so a lot of runs will say it's kid friendly or it is adult only or it is you know no drinking usually is the big deal um so just keep that in mind if you are somebody who likes to drive for two or three hours and then pop a beer then you need to find a group that does that but most of the groups are probably not going to do that just yeah, and if it says topless is okay, uh, yeah. that means no top on your Jeep unless you're <laughs> no a supermodel, doors. then you can that's do it, right. and take it however you like it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a whole, that's a whole other thing. <laughs> but that is something that they'll talk about on the runs too, is what's the weather going to be like? Yeah. And they'll probably talk about potential for snow. Like right now, we don't have snow per se on the ground, but on some of the shady parts of the mountains up here, it's icy because once they start to drive over it and that snow packs down, it's now ice. And if there's no sun it's heating it, that is a huge issue. We've been cold enough every night to have that ice. So if you've not driven on ice and you think it's, oh, let's go drive on the snow. Well, there's ice involved. So you need to have other kinds of gear and things like that. So those kinds of runs will say, you know, trail damage possible or, you know, equipment damage possible or you've got to you know know that we could have snow or mud or rain you know whatever so know that that is usually listed so if you're somebody who doesn't want to do mud i don't like to do mud i'm not i'm not running in mud sorry just not going to do it uh the cleanup is just too well, i was gonna say mud's fun cleanup is not that's right i was <laughs> no. gonna say mud's I mean, fun. horrible <laughs> no no thank you so that's our choice when we see a run that's going to be you know in the rain or it's going to be super heavy dirty kind of terrain we're just we're just going to pass on it so but that is true so good point tony thank you um if it's an intermediate to a difficult run they will discuss the obstacles they'll also talk about spotters um don't be afraid to ask for a spotter especially if you're new um, i've been out with a lot of people that are brand new and i try to make them feel comfortable i'm not embarrassing them um, the idea is to get through and have fun and show you what your vehicle can do on those trails so again, you also, if it's a more intermediate or difficult run, they're going to say you need to have certain size tire, maybe a lift, maybe a locker, um, and they want to make sure that you've had at least some experience, but you can be a newbie. I've had plenty of people that are brand new doing difficult runs, and as long as they're set up, I can get them through. So it's just a matter of knowing that information. And so if you're new to getting on trails and doing runs, this is something that will be listed there too. So once that driver's meeting is done, Basically, you're getting in your Jeep and you're taking off and you're following whatever's going to happen. So I just want to kind of keep a couple things for you to think about while you're in that lineup. Um, whoever they've put you behind, keep an eye on what they do for their line. This is how you're going to learn. How do they handle ruts, tackle the obstacles? Did you like their line? Um, if your spotter or the leader of this group is constantly getting people stuck, you might reconsider down the road not doing with that spotter anymore or that leader. Um, but you're also learning, by the way. So it doesn't really matter what happens. It's just keeping an idea. But you can learn a lot as a newbie to watch somebody else go through. Keep in mind that if you have a four-door and you're following a two-door, their line's going to be different. And most leaders of a group are going to put you behind a similar setup as far as length and vehicle so that you can really learn from that obstacle. At least they should be. Hopefully when, they're doing Wendy, that. Wendy, what if you're in a right-hand drive Jeep? <laughs> you're on your own dude. <laughs> just yeah just talk to diana adair and check out our chick chat episode yeah, learn yeah. all about that right yeah she drive. mentioned that Dang. i never even thought about it but it makes oh, it, it makes complete sense that's you know? why i was asking her i'm like how do you do that that would be so different so, but anyway um oh and th did you mention already about asking questions in the driver's meeting uh no but you can certainly if you're not sure about something absolutely ask and, uh, and keep is, asking, and if it's yeah. if it's taking up too much time, then the 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 leader or leaders should pull you to the side and answer all your questions. And yeah, and if if you've got more detailed questions, I would find that leader before that driver's meeting so that you're not stopping the flow and ask those questions. But generally, if you've been invited, whoever is the leader is more of a greeter and is going to definitely be open to whatever. So they yes, should be, they should, they be, should be always <laughs> open to questions and yeah, as many of them as you got, I don't care. Yeah. 
most of them are. Because that's and, safety. Know, uh, getting questions answered is safety. Well, and when you see those events and you can see past events and you can see people's comments, you're going to know right away, gosh, it was so good. I was brand new my first time and they were helpful. That's somebody you want to run with if you're new. Um, if you're hearing things like, oh my gosh, there was so many breakages, I would never do it again, there's too much damage, <laughs> then maybe you don't want to go with that person. I mean, those are the things you can look on Facebook as an example. So, right. um, When you get to an obstacle, get out and watch. You know, I talk about that and preach it all the time. That's the best way for you to learn. But you're looking to see what the line is, what their setup of the Jeep is. Is it four-door, two-door? What am I driving? What are they driving? How easy was it? How hard was it? What do I need to do differently? And those are all things that you're taking in your brain and you're sort of learning as you go. So uh, lunches usually happens on these runs. So make sure that you bring chairs, ice chests, your food, beverages. If you have kids on board, what do they need? If you got a dog on board, what do they need? And please, please, please bring your poop bags and pick up the dog poop. I'm sorry. I know you're out in the open. It's wild. You think it's fine. But when your dog takes a crap in the middle of Everybody's sitting around. It's not pretty. I don't care how much you love your dog. So just pick it up. Oh, and they just look at you square in the eyes while they're doing it. I wish I, I had that kind of confidence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't forget extra things in your Jeep. We just talk about like paper towels, hand wipes, sunscreen, bug spray, hats, light or heavy jackets, depending on weather. Anything that's going to make your day a little more enjoyable. Make sure that you have extra water and snacks because you never know. Sometimes these trips, someone else can break down. And we're all pitching in and helping and it becomes part of the experience. But your day goes from three hours or four hours to six or seven or eight hours. So really make yourself comfortable on those things. Um, and once the run's over, basically you're going to air back up at the end of the run. You'll air up. I would definitely highly check your rig. Maybe do a quick once over underneath to make sure there's nothing dangling <laughs> as you're trying to drive down the highway. Dog poop. Um, yeah, dog poop. Um, and then usually after you've aired up, everybody typically heads out of town. Now, sometimes there's one group here on Facebook that I follow in Southern California that they make a point after the run to go to a certain place, depending on where they're at, and have like a hamburger or fries and a shake or ice cream or something afterwards. So look at the details, too, that there's also that possibility. You've just met some really cool people. Now they're going to go get uh, an ice cream or a, a burger or something, and they just want to hang out a little bit longer. You know, that's how you make friends. That's how you make contacts. And now you have someone you can ride with and you're not going out by yourself. So hopefully this information will help you. Do you guys have anything you want to add? Larry, I know you've been on organized and unorganized runs. Disorganized. <laughs> yeah, disorganized. <laughs> yeah, I'll say, I'll say that's a pretty good list, especially if you're a newbie. Yeah. And you've, and you've got, let's face it, we all build our rig first. Then we go wheel. And, and, and then we figure out what we did wrong. And it's like, ah, dang it, I yeah. spent too much money. Absolutely. But it, it's a good way, to what you pointed out, to get out and learn how, how to get through the trail. And, uh, you know, if nothing else, you can you can look around and learn what your ne next upgrade is going to be. <laughs> yeah. But, but that information you could get from the group could be invaluable. So it's a lot of good points. Well, and there's ways you can connect with people. I mean, I have some really good friends now just from doing runs. And some of it's from the show, my contact. Some of it's from being out in the trails and meeting somebody. Some of it's from training and teaching. And some of it's just through clubs and organizations or I want to wheel this area. Let me see who's going. And those friends are going to be friends for life because of jeeping. So you just don't know who you're going to meet. Um, you're going to very rarely meet somebody you don't want to wheel with. I have one person in mind when we first started. I said, I'm um, sorry. I know. <laughs> Poor Tony. Uh, but at the same time, look what happened to Tony and I, you know, he comes <laughs> out, uh, we're helping Don Alexander all of a sudden now, Tony and I are hanging out together and we're doing a show. So you just never know what life's going to bring you, but there is a community in our off-roading and there's a lot of camaraderie, a lot of things that we could do to preserve trails. A lot of things you can get involved in. There's a lot you don't have to get involved in, but it's there and you just have to go out and do it. So once you figure it out, check it out. Again, if you have questions, um, feel free to reach out to me. Reach me at deeptalkshow.com slash contact and I can help you out. Very, very good. Thank you. Hey guys, Steve-O from Chicago, Illinois. Just calling episode 965, talking about Chief's participation in the uh, the trade shows. You know, they did pull out of the Chicago Auto Show, and I'm sure I'm hearing they're pulling out of others. 
You know, and a lot of it is those trade shows are stupid expensive. If you have a display there to plug in anything, whether it be a charger, a a monitor, right? You have to have the electrician come and do it. You're not allowed to do it yourself. So I get a little bit of why. I mean, they are excessive in their costs. I know that's how McCormick Place in Chicago is. But if they pull out of Easter Jeep Safari, I'm going to be pissed. I'm going for the first time. I'm really excited to look out there and see everything that has to be there, including the aftermarkets, manufacturers, Jeep itself, seeing what their concept vehicles are like. That's part of the lore of the event for me. Now, I got to imagine going to Easter Jeep Safari does cost money getting everything out there, but they're not paying for the same trade store space like they would be in a major town such as, you know, SEMA, Las Vegas, or the Chicago Auto Show. But anyway, that's that's my that's my two cents on it. Hope to God they don't pull out of Easter Jeep Safari. Still have a good time without them, but they to me that's just kind of part of the whole experience. Anyway, you guys have a wonderful day. Love the show. Keep on jeeping. Peace out. Welcome to Fabricating Frenzy with Larry, also known as Jeeping Mo, whose hair is not curly. All right, Jeepers. So over the last couple of shows, we talked a lot about that front and rear axle that you want to build because you want to put one tons under your Jeep. So what does that mean? Well, you're going to need a couple tools, and I'm just going to go through a couple tools you'll need to do this. An angle grinder with some cutoff wheels and flap wheels, a digital protractor, some jack stands, a jack, a way to heat up the casting, a good thermal blanket for the, for the welding, and at least a 220-volt welder. Now, it can be a stick welder, a MIG welder, a flux core. But you want to try to at least get a 220-volt welder. So first, you're going to need to cut off all the old spring mounts for the rear, assuming you're going to use like a 14-bolt. The front axle, you're going to cut all of the old control arm brackets off. The spring mounts, all that's got to go. And depending on the front axle you pick, you might even have to cut off a little of the, ca the casting in the center. And once everything is cut off, you'll have to source the new mounting system. Now, I happen to like the Artec system. And that's because I've used it. And that's not to say that the other ones are bad, but that's, that's what I've used. And they do a great job of relocating that whole system on the axles. Now, you can set the axle when it's all cleaned off. You've cut, you've ground, you've done all your stuff. Just set that on a pair of jack stands. They, that will allow you to rotate the axle. You can use a jack to set your pinion angle using that digital protractor. So you'll get that located to your right pinion angle. And you'll put your new mounting system on it. You'll get all that positioned also with that same digital protractor. And you'll get that tacked in place. Now make sure, can't stress this enough. Make sure it's where you want it to be. So then you're going to go in, you're going to heat this, the casting up. So the tubes and the center casting. And, and I would get that up to around 400 degrees. Whether you want to use a temperature probe or something like that. You don't have to get it red. But you definitely want to get it, get it hot. Like I said, I like to get it around 400 degrees. And that's oh, just I like to make that. I've never heard anybody give a, a specific uh, temperature. Uh, I've always been curious about that. Yeah, and I and I say that just because you want this thing hot so that when you're welding, you want this thing to cool down all at one time. You don't want to just focus in one area because when this thing starts cooling, because it will shrink a little bit, it'll it'll wreak havoc. So once you get everything on, double check. And make sure it's in the right spot. And you'll want to go through and you'll want to tack it. Make sure it's in the right spot. Double check your temperatures again because I can't stress enough. You want to keep that casting hot. Now, I, I heat mine up just enough to where 
I don't think it really messed up the seals, but it stayed hot enough to where it's not going to uh, crack, you know, once it starts cooling. So how, once Larry, you get, I'm Larry, real quick, how hot is the weld? And I know that's a what if type it depends question. Sure. But. You're going to be around probably that. I'm going to. I don't know the exact temp. I'm going to guess it's probably in a four or five hundred degree range. Okay. Well, least. that makes sense then. You're you're getting the the cast iron heated up to what the weld temperature about the what yeah. the weld temperature is going to be. Yeah, it's probably going to be a little bit over that, but it's going to be somewhere in there because the minute minute it's applied, it's cooling. Right. right? So once it's welded. You're going to want to wrap that up in that in that welding thermal blanket because you're trying to keep this heat in because you don't want this thing dissipating the heat all at one time. So once you've welded it, you're going to want this thing to cool nice and slow. Now, if you're welding this thing outside in the cold weather, well, that's not really going to work for you very well because it's not going to cool off or it's going to cool off way too fast. Now, when you're when you weld your system on, don't weld from one end to the other. So you'll want to jump around a little bit. You'll weld on one side, weld a little bit on the other, go to the other side of the axle, and keep working it towards the center. Because if you just weld from one end to the other, you'd be surprised on how how much you're going to overheat that axle in spots, and weld pulls as it cools. And you're going to end up distorting that whole system as you're welding it on. And by bouncing around, you'll keep it located in the position that you want it to be in. And you'll find out real quick if it's cooling too fast when you're welding because you'll start cracking in your welds almost instantly, especially in that casting area. The tubes, not so much, but the casting, it will definitely crack on you if you try to do it too cool. So you'll know very quickly. Can you can you recover from that? Will you heat it and get rid of the cracks, or are you toast by that time? No. So if you are welding and you get cracks, I can't stress this enough. Do not just weld back over those cracks. So take that grinder that you cut everything off with, grind that weld out, and then reapply it. Because if you try to weld over that crack, that crack will propagate right underneath that weld and eventually it'll show back up. So you're going to have to remove that weld. It's not a big deal to, re to grind weld out and just re-weld it. And that's the other, other point of kind of bouncing around a little bit. So you don't want to get all that heat concentrated while the other end's cooling off. By bouncing around, you kind of keep that whole casting hot in the process. And then when you're all done, break out your wire wheel clean everything off, and uh, just check your fit up on it. You know, and if you're really unsure, you can do some very short welds and just slide it up in there and make sure everything's going to fit. Because the biggest thing you're going to want to make sure of that you're, the joints that you're going to use, that when you're welding, you're not closing up those mounts or you're, you're moving everything on position so that your, uh, your pinion angle is off. And if you're if your pinion angles off a little bit, if you're using adjustable arms, you can move that around as well. So it's not like if you thought you wanted six degrees and now you're at four, well, you can adjust your arms a little bit if you're using adjustable arms to get everything back in place. But you can't you can't change center. So you just gotta make sure everything's positioned right and just take it slow. It's not a rush. It's gonna take you some time and uh you know, it's just one of those things, if you need some help, don't be afraid to reach out. I'm more than happy to help. And, uh, you know, we can always get those questions on Discord. Yeah, I, I would say just from listening to this, I certainly do not have enough experience welding to tackle this. <laughs> and I would You'd be, be the surprised first to admit the people it. who do. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's something else, too, that, you know, this sounds like right. it's something that you really need to have a little bit more experience. Now, if, you know, Bill was doing it, and I could watch or I could help a little bit and see what was going on. I certainly would try it and it would be fun to do this. But it's, um, you know, this is important to make sure, like you said, that you're rotating it around and avoiding the cracks. And I think that is something that maybe people don't pay attention to. And you have, you know, breakage on the trail. Well, I think the really common thing would be to do exactly what uh, Larry was saying, just weld over the crack. 
It's yeah. gone. It's fixed. I'm good. I fixed <laughs> <Right>. it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, and the other one is too is you definitely want to you definitely want to get a welder that's capable of a little bit more amperage because you can weld everything together with a 110 welder. It looks all welded. But the problem <laughs> is you just don't you just don't have the penetration of the weld. Yeah. Right? Cuz typically you you're going to want to be somewhere around one amp for every thousandth of thickness. So let's just say you're welding something that's a quarter inch thick. Well, that's 250 amp. Well, most people are not going to be able to weld that. So you get as close as you can. Got it. Very, very cool. Yeah, this is interesting. It's. I'm glad you gave a list of some things that you need to have because it's. that's another thing about projects. You start in on it and you're pulling stuff apart and go, oh, dang it. I guess I need a welder. Yeah, I gotta uh, buy and, some tools. Darn. Yeah, and, and of course, Wendy, you can do the, do things the way you want to do them. Uh, however, I would encourage people to uh, just just do it. Uh, you, you don't have to wait for somebody to be there with you. You don't have to uh, do any of that stuff. Just do it. You'll yeah. figure it out. Well, and, that's true. But and, and you'll figure it out quicker. And, and, and I'm not I'm not <laughs> I'm not disagreeing with you, Wendy. Absolutely. If if you feel the way Wendy does, then that's the way you should do it. Exactly. But, but everything exactly. that I've learned, I've just done it. Yeah. Trial by fire. And the the tenth or fifteenth time I've re- redone it, I'm I'm, I'm I, I don't want to say I'm an expert, but I'm better. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think this is a good statement. But if you're brand newbie, like I would be in quote the welding world, I've never welded. I, I would. I guarantee I, I would, you, I can uh, do it. Yeah. Well, maybe, and I might be able to do it too, but it's not going to look pretty, and I no. just know what what my limitations I just wanted are. To, I just wanted to <laughs> stick the metal together. <laughs> pretty will come later. <laughs> oh, I love it. Oh, and speaking of pretty, from the mind of Nikki G. Hey, this is Nikki G. And uh, last week, you guys talked about uh, local Jeep clubs to uh, meet people and find trails to wheel on. Oh uh, funny story. Uh, <laughs> Nikki G joined a Jeep club way back in my infancy of wheeling, and they mm-hmm. had monthly community service outreach, and they required that you did at least one session of community service a quarter. After about a year, we're having our monthly meeting at a local burger joint, and they said, uh, Nikki G, we noticed you haven't done a- any community service. And I said, yeah, don't feel so bad. I haven't even done my court order community service either. <laughs> it's not just you. I wonder what those guys are doing nowadays. Well, that's not why I'm calling. Of course not. I'm calling to tell you that I have a joke about towels. Yeah, but only you people with a dry sense of humor will get it. Oh, I think I could do better. I wrote a joke about the wind, but it really blows. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to stick with that one. All right, boys and girls, I'll chat you later. Have a good one. Bye. All righty. Well, there you go. There we go. (laughs) No matter where you are, there you are. are. All right. So uh, in our next interview episode, which is every Friday, we're excited to announce that uh, our interviewee is going to be, I just paged up. I don't know. Hey, coming up this Friday in our next interview episode, we're going to be talking with Nupesh of Body Armor 4x4. Have you guys heard of Body Armor 4x4? I had before I did this interview. I don't think I've heard of them. I follow Looking on. forward to the interview, though. Yeah, yeah. No, uh, we actually, uh, I actually bought a, a set of tube doors uh, for uh, the wife's Jeep, and they were Body Armor 4x4. I really like their tube doors, but they have uh, more than just tube doors, as you can well imagine. So, uh, yeah, check out BodyArmor4x4.com uh, right now or during the interview or whenever the hell you have time. All right, in uh, your must-have stuff for your Jeep, uh, this is a, an interview we did last week with Glue Tread, uh, and uh, I think that this is a really good thing to have just in case you, uh, you need it. It's, a, it's an emergency-type thing. Uh, on road or off, you can damage your tires. Consider getting a Glue Tread 4x4 sidewall emergency tire repair kit and keeping it inside your Jeep. Now, it's for off-road use only, but if you need to get back to camp or a, a nice flat surface, uh, this quick repair will get you there. And I think a quick repair is going to be under 30 minutes. Uh, if you if you read the instructions and do it right, prep your, prep your surface and stuff. Uh, probably uh, under 30 minutes. It might even be uh, uh, less if you're uh, if you've done a lot uh, a lot of tire repairs. 
<laughs> but you have to ask, why are you doing so many tire repairs? Why do you have some experience? <laughs> I was just going to say, hold on a minute here. Let's teach you how to pick a line. That'll help you. <laughs> yes, exactly. The, the, the tire on the rock is what you're aiming for. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they have several kits, depending on the size of tire that you're repairing. Just look for the red Jeep oh, <laughs> on this Seriously? kit. Is this seriously their packaging? Yeah, it is. No, no, it is. And actually, we talked about it in the interview. I said, why did you use a red Jeep? And and why could you, you wouldn't be able to use any other Jeep. This is the red, uh, the red Jeep that you need on the, on your packaging. Anyway, just look for the red Jeep on their kit and uh, you will have the, the right repair kit uh, for your Jeep and uh, you'll know you're getting the right one. Oh, and uh, if you don't have a red Jeep, it should work on all color Jeeps except blue. Wait. Who has a blue Jeep that you're going Poor after? Steve-O. Steve-O, yeah. Steve-O, okay. <laughs> you know Steve-O from Illinois. Yep. Um, so head over to jeeptalkshow.com and look for the show notes for this episode, 969. I wanted to say 699 on that. So bad. Maybe 696. Anyway, nine, uh, I just screwed everybody up. <laughs> nine, <laughs> what episode is it, Tony? Uh, 969. 969. <laughs> and look for the link to the Amazon, uh, the Amazon store and and uh, you can uh, get you one of these things today. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of the Jeep Talk Show. And if you've jo- enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating and review. Uh, the last review, I, I looked after our last episode last week, guys, and yeah. we have not had a, a, a review on Apple Podcasts since I think it was uh, June of 2023. So it's been a while since we've received any reviews. And I think a lot of it has to do with we just haven't been reading them. We haven't been talking to people about them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, if uh, th- there's other places to do reviews, but if you're a, uh, an Apple podcast listener, give us a review. Uh, good, bad, or ugly, I don't care. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Sign up for our email newsletter uh, to stay up to date for the latest news, uh, Jeep uh, news and events. Finally, if you have any questions or comments or ideas for future episodes, including uh, Fabricating Frenzy with Larry and uh, what is it, yours, uh, Newbie Nuggets? Yeah, Newbie Nuggets. nuggets. (laughs) Go to cheaptalkshow.com slash contact and you'll find multiple ways to contact us. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you on the next episode of the Jeep Talk Show. Remember, we're doing video, guys. Yeah, Wendy knows. She's waving. Larry Larry doesn't wave. He he knows. He only waves to Duke. Broadcasting since 2010.